Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Gray Sports Podcast. Good to have you with us. I'm Doug Berry, along with my good friend and still wearing his red U.S. Gray Sports football jersey, Father Richard Heilman. The coolest jersey <laughs> in the world. It is. It is. And tonight, a returning guest, Father Leitner's with us again. This is going to be enlightening having Father Leitner on. Okay. <laughs> I never heard uh, that. Okay, not a great joke. All right. <laughs> we always get everything started with a prayer. And Father Heilman, that always starts with you. Sure. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls, amen. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Well, it's great to have you on, Father Leitner. Uh, he's a very good friend of my, well, good friend of both of us. But, um, you know, he's a priest of the Diocese of Green Bay and quite a warrior. We've had him on before, and uh, everybody really likes when we have you on, Father. And uh, we're here to, to, tonight to uh, talk about, you know, what is our first response as spiritual warriors? You know, we've seen a lot of um, infiltration of evil, right? And, you know, what are we called to do? What's the one thing, the only one thing that's necessary is that's the title of our podcast tonight. And we wanted to get into that because um, it's so important for us to understand this because without it, uh, we're floundering, uh, we're empty and we're, we're, you know, meandering around and trying to figure it out. But uh, once we uh, understand what that one thing necessary is, um, then the lights come on, right? And so, Father, I, I know this past weekend, the uh, gospel was the story of Martha and Mary, and Jesus is right there in the living room. And uh, there's two responses by Martha and Mary. Now, Martha, uh, she does hospitality. You know, that was a great Jewish custom. It's a, somebody was commenting that it's a great custom in the South, but not so much in the North. Uh, but anyways, it's a great Jewish custom to, uh, to be hospitable when someone comes. So good, good on Martha, that she's, you know, she's got a guest in the house. Let's get things ready. But Mary uh, throws herself at the feet of Jesus. I always say she gets as close as she appropriately can get. And it says in there, too, that she, she listened to him. I, I, she hung on his every word. She gazed into his eyes. Uh, she was getting herself as well connected as possible. Her response was based on the fact that the second person of the Holy Trinity was sitting in their living room, right? And and so uh, and so Martha comes up and says, "Jesus, tell her to help me." And he, he, classic lines from Jesus: "Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Mary has chosen the one thing necessary." Now I want to get into this because, again, Martha's doing something beautiful, noble, uh, good. Uh, so what's the point I think that Jesus is trying to make? And I think it is, uh, and I, I'd like to get your opinion on, on this, Father, but that um, we can do good things, and we can go to church, we can do all kinds of good things. But if we're not careful, we're kind of on a treadmill of life. We're just kind of going, 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 not thinking things through, not connecting with God, not listening to God along the way. And uh, so why, why, Father, do do we or why did Jesus say this is the one thing necessary? What's your opinion about that? Well, I think that's a great uh, uh, understanding of the gospel. There's a couple uh, moments in Scripture that really captivate me. The first being Christ on the cross, where the the good thief recognizes who Jesus is, and he says, "Just." After a life of sin, he says, Lord, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And he promises him paradise. This day you will have paradise. And the other one is, is the Mary comment that you talked about. Because we have a dichotomy of the world. We, we are running around like Martha in this world. And Mary recognized that the Lord walked into the house. She recognized his divinity. She recognized who he was and i think that is the point it's the recognition of christ right. do we see god in our world 
do we go to him? Are we sitting at the feet? Do we see where he's present in our modern day world? Father, I'm curious about, you know, there's so much in the world. And Father Hyman likes to use the term that everybody just wants to go golfing and shopping. I love yeah. that, by the way. I just uh, <laughs> need to make T-shirts somehow to talk about that. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm golfing or shopping right now. Um, but there is that idea that we don't want to be distracted. A lot of people have a difficult time with even taking the time. I remember a priest telling me years ago, if you have a hard time feeling like you love God, then pray for the grace to want to love God. Right. Um, there's so much about understanding that we need him to begin with because it's easy to go through life. And if, if you got some money in the bank and your lawn looks pretty good and your kids are doing good at sports and your car's running nice and things just seem okay or good for you, it's hard, I think, for some people to think that they need to make time to come to the feet of, of, of Christ uh, as Mary was. What do you say to the people out there who struggle with understanding that it's even important to do this if they don't feel that it is? It's kind of like, if I'm not sick, why would I want to even go to a doctor for a checkup? Why would I want to even go near the idea of changing my diet to eat healthier or be healthier if I don't feel like there's a problem with my health? Spiritually speaking, kind of the same concept. What do you say to, to people who don't think they even need to go to the feet of Christ? Well, I think in this culture, you know, since the 50s and 60s, we've created an atmosphere where we've dulled our conscience. The thing is, is the closer you get to the Lord, as Mary did at the feet of Jesus, what you realize is how bad of a sinner you really are and how much you need him. And that mercy and that grace that he gives is medicine for that hurt. Most of the time, look at all addiction in the world, for example. You look at drugs, you look at alcohol, you look at nicotine, which I'm addicted to, by the way. Um, you look at sex or you look at sports or you look at anything that people pour their time into in a disordered way. All of it is medication for pain. Mm. So when you have all those medications out there distracting you from even feeling the pain, just kind of you know, ignore and override, in a sense, is a good word. Um, you don't really reflect. It's those times that we spend as a priest, like at baptisms and weddings and funerals, and funerals do it a lot. When somebody dies, now people start thinking about their mortality. And we're in the church, we're in a beautiful area of this time, because there's a lot of people dying of their own fault and and sometimes the fault of others. But the thing is, is it's time to reflect on our own immortality or our own mortality. We're moving into immortality if you're following the faith. Father, I love how you, how you said um, she recognized his divinity. I think that's huge. You know, I've been teaching a lot lately. And, and in fact, I think it's a key to evangelization. But I've been teaching a lot lately that um, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are come to us and Pope Gregory the Great would order them. And if, if, if you believe that what he teaches, then, okay, there's an order. Well, then the logical mind says, if I want to get to two through seven of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, I got to go through one first. And one is actually fear the Lord. And that's basically what you just said, recognizing his divinity. And, and so I contend that, and I point to 1973, actually, as a time when, um, when those who count themselves as know-it-alls, as, as knowing more than other people, uh, kind of took charge. And what did they do? They took out all the elements of our beautiful treasure chest of the Catholic faith that uh, help us to understand this is God. This is God. Uh, things like, you know, how we celebrate the mass, uh, but beautiful devotions, adoration. I don't know about you, Father, but when I was in seminary, and I, I've said this many times in the past, but we weren't offered one minute of exposition of the Blessed Sacrament for adoration of the Holy Eucharist. Uh, it's hard to believe when I look back on that right now, but, you know, it's something like adoration where you just stop and, and you're gazing upon our Lord in that monstrance 
And, and, and you're almost forced to say, this is God. This is God. But what happens then when you do say that? That's the game changer. You know, that, that's everything. You, you, you open up. And what do you do? You take it seriously, finally. Once you recognize it's God. And so I believe that a lot of what that, that story is with Martha and Mary is pointing to Mary undergoing or, or receiving the beautiful gift of fear of the Lord. And what did she do? She stopped and she, she, she couldn't move. She, she was in adoration. Uh, she was in awe and wonder during that time. That's another name for that first gift of the Holy Spirit, fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord actually just means I'm afraid of ever offending you. You're so amazing. I love you so much. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine offending you. I mean, if we get to that place, if we get to that place, uh, Father, um, how do we get there? How do we get, uh, help our people, especially now, uh, we're what, uh, 50 years removed from uh, when, they, uh, when they went to change the mass? I, I, always, I want to qualify what I just said there. I'm always told I'm, I'm pre-Vatican II, and I go, no, no, I'm precisely Vatican II, the way I offer the mass. You know, I do it exactly like, like Sacrosanctum Concilium in the Vatican documents that was about the liturgy talked about. Um, but it was, it was people after that, the know-it-alls, you know, the, the, the I have supreme understanding of things that you don't have. I, I just believe that pridefulness got in after Vatican II from liturgists and bishops, priests, um, and, they, and they just decided, you know, we're going to just change things, even though the Vatican documents it. Nothing is telling us to do that except our superior understanding of things. That's the only thing it's telling us that. It's, it's just been such a, a challenging time. But, but what we lost then is um, inspiration to open hearts to receive the gift of awe and wonder. Father, what do you think about that? Well, I think that, you know, in, in your assessment, it's there, definitely. I think that, you know, the sin of pride, you know, when we look at things, and I've been in parishes where I've had to change things because they were dysfunctional. Yeah. And I've been in parishes where I don't have to change things. But when you go in and you always want to change things to fit your style, and the way you do things, I think there's a pride issue. I think that, you know, the world doesn't revolve around Mike Leitner. And who am I to think that in 2,000 years of Christian tradition that I even have a constant contribution to change? My goal is to get close to the Lord, to go to heaven and bring as many people as I can with me to share that love in the school of love of God. And I think, how do we get there? Is first we act, right? I keep on telling my congregants that, you know, ask for the disciplines that you lack. If it's praying in the moment of temptation, ask for that discipline. If it's fear of the Lord, ask for that discipline. You know, we think that we have to pray in a special way for God to hear us. We've got to have our hands fixed in a certain position, kneeling. But you can be in the shower. You can be on the toilet. You, and talking to God, in a sense, in your mind and in your heart. If you have that kind of communication with God where you don't want to be separated, you want Mary's fervor, then you're talking to him throughout your day. And I think that's the start. I tell kids, high school kids, start asking God questions. The mysteries you want to learn in life. Lord, teach me about sexuality. Teach me about, you know, the wonder of science. Teach me about this. You know, I used to, in the front part of my conversion, when I first knew the Lord, you know, in a, in a very tangible way, in a mystical experience, I started talking to him like that. I said, Lord, what, you know, what kind of wine do I have with fish? And he would go, white. And I would hear that in my head. And I would, take it to be the Lord, now I have white wine. And I got to trust that voice, right? Just because I was asking that. I got to trust that voice and people go, oh, Father, you do such amazing work, you preach great. It's just trusting the voice of God. It's be able to discern the voices in your head. If someone would stand in front of the mirror for two minutes and not say a word, 
and just listen to the voices in their head, they would hear the disparity of the world passing through. 80% of it is negative. Yeah, that's tough. You're, and you're right, Father. It, it's very easy for us to just, uh, the voices in the head, you mentioned that about voices in the head. It's just tough to go through life because there's so many voices. Our lives are very much like standing in the middle of New York City's Times Square and all the billboards all around flashing all these images and all these different messages. And it's all this different talk, 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 talk that's going on. And trying to, and 80% of it, the mirror part you're talking about, I mean, yeah, we, we, we just, we, we're hard on ourselves. We, we're, we're just, we find the negativity in things very easily. One, um, of, one of the things that uh, just jumped into my mind, and mm -hmm. I take it as the Holy Spirit, uh, please don't think I'm arrogant. But even I had a friend of mine uh, when I was at the Newman Center, and he was a student, but he was in the, he was in the Army, and he, he worked with Intel. And he said to me, he says, Mike, show me how you, you watch the news. We were watching Fox News one night. And the thing is, is I'm listening to the pundits and he says, now he says, watch the news the way I watch the news. And he shut the volume off. And it forced me to read the ticker. You know, the, the thing that's scrolling down below with the news from the AP. And I'm reading it. And I'm going, oh, okay. And there's another story. And, and they're still on another story. All of that talk on TV, that's all opinion. The news is what's flashing in front of you when you're reading it. So it's about how we view the world, too. One of the things I was talking with my congregation about this weekend is just, you know, what we decided to do as a family. And, you know, th this was in the middle of 2021. I mean, we had just gone, we had been beat up uh, for all that time for, what, a year, year and a half. And uh, what did we decide to do? Well, we decided that we do need to stop. And so we got together every Thursday night uh, for what we called Heal Our Land Holy Hours. And uh, anybody was invited, but the church seemed jammed every, every because people were just hungry. But, but what did we do? We, we exposed the Blessed Sacrament, and uh, we had a beautiful choir there. We put tons of candles in the, in the sanctuary. We just tried to make it as uh, sacred and beautiful as we possibly could. And uh, I hopped into the confessional then. And so I gave people an opportunity to just get, I, I like to say gussied up, but get cleansed, get renewed, start fresh. And, and, but spend that time. And I thought it was key too, Father, that we did it together. You know, I, I think it's great, you know, to go to an adoration chapel by yourself or with another person. Um, but there was something about uh, taking that time, especially after we had been so abused by evil over the last year, year and a half for us to just stop. And, and so this Sunday I said, look what you did, look what you did. And I said, you know what? I, I, I can talk to you in a certain way because you get it. And you, you know what I mean by that? You have wisdom. You have the Holy spirit gift of wisdom, uh, that, and when Pope Gregory ordered the gifts, that was the, the highest one. That was the last one, uh, the, the gift of wisdom, but it's a wisdom mm. that you gain by stopping and thinking things through and listening to God and and wanting to do it God's way and we we were literally cultivating all that in ourselves over that period of time now we do first Fridays and it's glorious but um that uh, that that necessity right one thing is necessary only one thing is necessary and it's not like the other ones don't count but we've got to first before we accept missions. And what you're telling us too, Father, too, is you've really cultivated that good ear for listening to the Lord. And you have such uh, confidence that you're receiving that. But then that doesn't come automatically a lot. That, that, that comes with, you know, pressing in and, and, and taking the time to stop and, and listen to our Lord. So I don't always, I, I was just, I was going to say that I, I was so proud of my congregation um, that, uh, that we decided to, to do that. And I, I was calling it, it was the Mary thing of Martha and Mary. You get, we were throwing ourselves at the feet of Jesus. And so anyway, um, I say that because I really encourage our listeners, get together with your priests, you know, get together with other people in your parish and think about doing that together, you know, to throw ourselves at the feet of Jesus, but to do it 
as a family of God and, and, and find that unity, not only with Christ, but with each other. Right, Father? Well, absolutely. The first thing I think is get close to God, create that experience, obviously yes. go to confession. If you can go to mass right away or adoration, that's, that's key. And yeah. basically what I always say is ask for what you need, where you, where you take stock, where you are deficient, ask for that grace, ask God for that grace. He says, ask and you shall receive, right. seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be open. Right. So why aren't we asking? And then it's about stepping out. It's about, okay, I asked God this. Now I'm going to have the faith he's going to give to me. So I believe that's his voice talking to me. So therefore, I'm going to step out in faith. And I had to do that in college. You know, I, I was in the midst of one of the most sinful times of my life. And God just revealed himself to me in a confession in Medjugorje. And I look back at that and I go, okay, I start walking with the Holy Spirit. I start trying to understand who's talking to me. And God told me, you only hear two voices. You hear me and say, figure out who's talking. And that's what I did. And in that, it's about now stepping out. So if you hear a voice saying, give that homeless person $5, don't argue with that voice. Don't go, well, that's my last $5, <laughs> right? Because you may be uh, missing an opportunity to grace somebody's life to a point where it will cause God's grace and God's mercy to pour in their heart. And then we become a block to the Holy Spirit. So those things that we're hearing in our mind that are good, we need to follow those. We need to step up and do it. And then our confidence in the Holy Spirit is going to start to move. Now, if it's a, if it's a big ask and God asks you to do it and you do it and it's successful, beware and start praying for protection because Satan doesn't like that. This is the spiritual war that they talk about all the time that's going on. It's a move by God. God uses somebody, and then Satan tries to hit back. And we see it in our own lives. Father, we were talking earlier before we got the show started here about a particular mystic uh, who's been bringing powerful messages to the world. Um, Luisa Picaretta, I believe, if I pronounced that correctly. Can you speak about that? I know some of the audience has got to be familiar with her. Because it really, uh, the whole idea of the divine will, which is really kind of the overall title, I think, of the apostolate or of the movement. Um, but speak a bit about that, because it ties very much into this, this whole idea that only one thing is necessary. And I just have to say for myself that, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm one of these guys that's constantly doing, I'm out there, you know, um, you know, I get sticky notes all over my desk half the time. And I feel like I'm accomplishing something in life when I can get rid of a sticky note, but then three more sticky notes show up because of other things I keep thinking I need to do or can do. Uh, and so I know there are people out there who live their lives with the idea that I, I've got to accomplish my list. I got to get my list done. And, and I know God, even though I, I can know in my heart, and my mind that God doesn't love me based on how many sticky notes I get rid of that day, to put it lightly, kind of in summary there. Um, there is something to the fact that there are people who have a hard time with just being a human being, as an old friend of mine would say, we're human beings, not human doings. And God just wants us to be in his presence sometimes. And if, if you could talk a little bit about Luisa Picaretta and the whole idea of doing, of, of being in this presence of God as Mary was in the gospel and not focusing so much on what we do, because the doing is going to end sooner or later. We know this, but I'm one of those people that will admit it's difficult at times because partly because I'm just, I'm a doer in general. It's just my personality and my nature. I, I, I like to, I like to get things done, but it can lead into the spiritual life too, where our spiritual life is about doing. I checked the box because I did my rosary. I did my devotions. I did this. I did that rather than, you know, um, just sitting still for 10 minutes and just being in the presence of God. But if I'm not mistaken, Luis Picaretta kind of gets into some of this or a lot of this because it's Christ teaching through her, the idea of what it is to really just be in his presence and, and step into the divine will of God. C can you talk a bit about that and help us understand more? I can, but with this caveat, I am not an expert on this. I I've, was introduced 15 years ago in Cedarburg by some friends of mine. Um, and I put it away. You know, I had so much other stuff to concentrate on. Right. And then it came back to me from my sister 
uh, group here that's in my parish uh, that follows this and reads this. And then uh, I started reading. My sister said, just read this. And it was a couple paragraphs. And I opened it up and I read it. And I'm like, wow, who wrote this? It was a perfect blend of philosophy and theology. And it was like, it was like uh, a mystic psalm. Hmm. Okay. So I go, wow, who wrote that? My sister looked at me and said, a woman with a third grade education. I said, there's no way. Hmm. There's no way. I had to go to the dictionary, right? To look up a word to understand what it was saying. I was like, there's no way. And I'm not saying that I'm some intellectual, but I was so surprised by the simplicity of this world, of this woman, that God was coming to her and dictating these, these volumes. That's what impressed me first. Second of all, I there's a couple of priests out there that handle it. It's uh, Father Anuzi is one. He's more of the intellectual. I think he did his doctorate degree in this in sacred studies. And then the other one who more uh, or less is the spearhead behind the prayer and the movement is Father Celso, uh, C-E-L-S-O. Uh, research it get the volumes it's it they're amazing reads but this is my summary okay if you look at all the mystics of the church they lived i think in the divine will so divine will is an aspect which has been given to this apostle and it's an intellectual aspect where you're reading about the life of the mystical divinity of christ and, and where I'm always focused is the cross. So you think about it, when we look at the cross, we go, oh, look what God did to us. And we connect with the pain, the human bodily pain, because we're in body. But we have to understand that he was a divine person that walked into that situation freely with intent. Now you have the divine person at the end of the first era of the law come to change things to do a new covenant in his blood. But that divine person on the cross, as the human part was suffering, his body was suffering, the divine person is looking in space and time, both in the past, in the present, and in the future. Sees every sin. And those deficiencies from me, for example, when I'm, I'm not feeling like saying the Mass, or I'm this or that, I'm, I'm struggling that day because of pain or whatever, God saw that, and he covers that with his precious blood, and he makes it effective. The confessions that we hear were powered at that point on the cross by his divinity. And I would say that the premise of it is understanding the divinity of Christ in the aspect of living in his will. So all the all the saints, all the mystics participated in some way. But this is the first time where a collection of writings is actually explaining how to get there. That's what's truly impressive to me about it. Well, can you go into that, Father? Uh, what do they recommend of how to get there? I love the name Divine Will. I always say Divine Life, and then I talk about how once you're in the divine life, you want to do the will of God, you know, so, but divine will captures it so beautifully. I mean, do, do you recall from your readings, uh, what, what, what do they, what do they talk, what do they recommend we do to get in that divine will? Well, I don't, I'm not into the intellectual aspect of it yet to the depth where I need to be to okay. answer that question. There are steps of holiness. Oh, really? Nice. That almost like the interior castle right. type of situation. Um, but, for example, Padre Pio questioned a, a, a penitent one time from Luisa's hometown. They came to see Padre Pio. And his words to them were, why are you here? You have Luis in your town. Hmm. I mean, that, from Padre Pio, that's pretty big. Him saying like that. He saw her as a mystic. He saw the teaching as authentic. Um, even, you know, some things about the triumph of, of Mary and that spirituality in which 
Padre Pio dove straight into was uh, was within Luis's teaching. But we have to remember that this was a mystic who she was bedridden. There's claims that she only received the Eucharist, that she fasted most of her life. She could not get out of bed. She was a third grade educated and all, all that her comfort was, was one thing and that's visits from the Lord. And he would come and visit her sometimes as a child, sometimes as Christ crucified, sometimes in his glory. But all of those manifestations ended up where he was giving her something. And I think it's a gift for the next era. You want to talk about the Great Reset? Uh, Here it is, spiritually. Nice. Oh, by the way, the Great Reset, I have to mention this to you real quick before we get back into it. The Guidestones, did you hear about that? I did. Yes. I did. For those who don't know, last time oh, we had Father uh, Lightyear on. By the right. way, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I have an alibi. I was saying, man, I was, I was in the, my hometown, so it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah, for the audience who doesn't know, last time we had Father Lightyear on, we talked about the Guidestone Monument, which is a Masonic monument outside of Atlanta, Georgia area. These four giant tablets, some call it like an American Stonehenge thing, and on each of the sides in eight different languages are written kind of what you could say the Ten Commandments sort of bizarre thing of the Freemasons. And the number one uh, that's listed on there is to, to sustain the population of the world in the area like 500 million or under. And, you know, obviously that's depopulating by like 7.3 billion people or so. Well, someone blew him up. At least they blew up one of them. And then so they had to come and, and knock the rest of the monument down because it was unstable. And I thought of you right away, Father, when I saw the news story on that. <laughs> I didn't well, there think was, you'd... There was another monument, the Philippines, struck by lightning and destroyed at the same time. It's, it... funny, that you, it's funny that you mentioned this. I was, I was uh, talking to Rick earlier. And that same night uh, when that happened, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I woke up. And my protocol is I usually start praising God. I start thanking him. I, I go, okay, I realize that this is probably an attack, a curse, something waking me up. And I start praising him. I go to the foot, right? And uh, what was amazing is usually it takes me two, three minutes. And then I grab, you know, and I usually end up praying a decade of the rosary and I fall asleep. And that's kind of my routine. And I'm sleeping five minutes after I woke up. Well, this, wow. night, this night was different, and it was on the night those were blown up. When wow. I did that, I felt the consolation of God immediately, almost like wow. he was in the room. And my heart just start awakening. And I said, my first words out of my mouth was something changed spiritually in the world. Something changed. Right. Well, this is darkness at 3 o'clock at night, right? Right. So I go back to bed. I pray myself to sleep. I'm up for about an hour, you know, just enjoying that relationship at that point. And I spoke about it in my next homily. I talked about it. And a friend called me who's in Medjugorje. And in that, I said, did you feel something last night? She goes, yeah, there was something really weird that happened. I felt something in my spirit. And then it was confirmed by another friend of mine in Indiana. And then another person came forward as well and said, I felt the same thing. So in discernment, praying with these people, we discern that there was a spirit that was pulled off of this whole oppression that's going on, right. a principality that was pulled off. That it's, and, and in my particular experience, it seemed easier to get to God at that point in prayer. Yeah. Felt like that veil thinned out a little bit. Right, right. I, I find it interesting that this happened, you know, days after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Yeah, I was just uh, going to say that. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know. I, Father, can you give me give us your, your um, uh, feeling about what where we are right now? I, I mean, I, I, personally, I think there's a turning. I mean, I think I think evil is turning on itself. I think for a time it's been overreaching. And as a result, I think a lot of the people are alarmed. Finally, that good, that's a good thing. 
Uh, in other words, they're recognizing, they're seeing it, and they're saying it's not good. Um, all of that together, at least to me, it feels like there's a turning going on. Where are you at with all, all that, Father? Well, I think we've been in it for a while now. Okay. Um, you know, I've been seeing those signs, but you're, you're starting to see if, if you're awake and looking for it with spiritual eyes, you're starting to see good hit back. And I think, you know, you got taking out of world leaders, you got certain things coming out in the news, you have, you know, certain people being tried of certain things, and you go, okay, is this truly getting better? Can it swing the other way? And I always think, you know, that Our Lady has a bigger hand in things than we think. You know, she, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart is her bringing the world back into submission to her son and then calling her apostles forward to lead the church in the new era. That's what the triumph of the Immaculate Heart is. Now, are we seeing remnants of that? Yeah, we're seeing a war in front of us. As you just seen the Japanese minister uh, get assassinated from all indications, a good man, he worked great for his people. One guy did that, right? So, you know, you see it both ways. I'm always looking forward, you know, uh, a prophecy in Garabandal, I think it was, it talked about something big happening on the Feast of Eucharistic Martyrs. Mm. And we got three of them in a row. Second, third, and fourth, I think, of August, our Feast of Eucharistic Martyrs. So I'm always looking to that three days at that point and, you know, saying what could happen there. And obviously, we got midterms coming up in this country. Gas prices are going to get, you know, a little bit lower because they don't want people voting on that issue, right? You see that starting to come down. So there's, there's a lot of things happening. And I think, you know, where Mary was at the foot of Jesus, what I'm understanding from Louisa, we can do the most good in our most powerful sitting at the feet of Jesus. Yes. Because all this other stuff we can't affect. Right. We can see it, but what are we going to do about it? How do we step into it? And this is what she asked me in the beginning in a roundabout way. We go to the feet of Jesus. And we ask, and we ask, and we submit ourselves. And, you know, in the business of life, we, you know, checking those boxes off, Doug, you know, I get that. But when those things we're checking off are things for ourselves, we may be misdirected. Mm -hmm. If they're things for others, and we're lending a hand, we're out there and we're bringing our Christianity to bear in the front of our chest and wearing it on our chest and we're taking those risks with the Lord, I think that's the busyness I want to do. That's the business, you know, that's the life I want to lead to help others right. as much as I can. Yeah, you know, this is something along all these lines, I you talk about everything that's been going on in the world and I know our audience is very attuned to this because we we talk a lot about it in different ways on this on this show. And, you know, as we've, three years, we've been doing this. Well, three years, August 14th, that's our anniversary. And we're throwing a big, big party at <laughs> Father's Parish. Uh, everybody in the country is invited. Um, they have to bring presents for Father. Uh, he likes presents. He likes coffee. He likes, um, uh, what, what else do you like? Money. Money? Is that? <laughs> Buy Just more kidding. Grace Force jerseys. Just kidding. You know? No, but seriously, three years coming up, and we've been talking about this off and on. And, you know, Father Leitner, you mentioned that about little, little things happening here and there. And they don't really make the news like, like other stories do. But something like the Guidestones being blown up, or you said something happened in the Philippines as well. Was it like an, was another Masonic monument or some sort? It was, they classified it as satanic. And it was a small obelisk, but it was literally hit by lightning. And it was cracked in half type of thing. And... You know, I saw reference on it. I read a lot on the internet. I, I go and look for articles, spiritual articles. Mm -hmm. um, and, and in that, that's where I found it. And I was like, wow, two of them hit, you know, different hemispheres. Uh, that was pretty interesting, you know. But I, I kinda, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say, I kind of think that, you know, the fact that you go, you go look for these, these types of things and you find them, or you're looking for something spiritual and you find these types of stories, you know, they don't make the mainstream news nearly as much as, you know, I mean, I know the Guidestone explosion was on Fox News. I don't know if it was on TV. I don't watch it that thoroughly, but I did see it on their, on their, um, on their news feed on the app. But I, I do think that if you go back to history of like Noah and the flood or other other moments where prophecies took place, there, there would have been people at the time who wouldn't have seen the little signs that were leading up to it because they're not looking for those signs. And I think, you know, there are many spiritually minded people out there that they are praying deeply. They are trying to be at the foot of Jesus and they're getting that same gut feeling kind of like you had when you woke up in the middle of the night and thought something happened, something's different now. And I, I think more like that. So I put a post out on Facebook earlier today and I simply said, I just feel the sense to encourage you all to, you know, as you step up your preparation for the times and such, because I talk about this periodically on there, um, to pray for the grace to simply listen to God as to what he's telling you to do. Because what I'm being told to do is going to be different than what this guy's being told to do and this woman's being told to do. You know, we've all got a role to play, but like you said a little bit ago, Father Leitner, is that there's so much that we just don't have any control over and we can't let it really stress us out. We have to, I just think, pray to listen to God so that I don't get off track with what he's calling me to do. But I do think that these little, that aren't so little events that are happening are, are indicators that we, we just have to either be listening for, looking for, um, you know, watching shows like this, you know, so we can talk about it like we are now uh, to help get the word out about it. But don't you think, Father, that we've just got little things happening in little areas that are pointing to something of a much bigger picture? I, I do. I, you know, I, I don't want to give false hope, mm -hmm. right? I want to give hope. And the thing is, is I believe, in my estimation, things are going to get worse before they get better. Mm. I think it's going to be a very difficult winter for a lot of people. And I think that we as people need to pray globally for a lot of people. You know, the thing is, is to reach out on a telephone is very difficult. But to reach out in prayer, that's a very easy thing for God. And I look at it as... As, as like this when i i talked about christ's divinity on the cross he had full intent to be there now think about the pathways or the internet system or the wi-fi that that godhead the second person of the holy trinity can manifest through space and time so when we go to the cross and we encounter that divinity and what he's doing that same divinity that gave the good thief paradise right mm -hmm. and we look at that we connect with that that's where we can make a difference yeah. that's where we can pray for the suffering that we can sacrifice for those that are hurting you know when we see something on the news we've been so desensitized to violence that let's say we see a mass shooting in the philippines or or in europe and we're like oh well yeah but then it happens in America and, you know, you hear Sandy Hook strong and these phrases coming out that people are praying for those guys. Don't let it happen in your backyard, right? Pray for before it gets there, right? Mm -hmm. And we can look at Chicago. We can look at D.C. We can look at the crime rates in the big cities right now, and it's overwhelming. And that's why I pray for police officers because, you know, they got an angel with them. And if we can connect with that foot of the cross, that divinity on the cross, and we can ask the holy angels to intercede, we can make a difference. And mm -hmm. think about 10,000 of us doing that. Mm. That's amazing. Right. Right. You know, here's my theory of what's going on is I happen to be in the school of thought that, that uh, contends that uh, the 100-year reign of Satan began with Our Lady's warning in 1917 with the miracle of the sun. So 100 years fast forward is uh, 2017, uh, October 13th, if you want to get more specific. But what's been happening since 2017? Well, let's look, first of all, that um, the, 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 those who are uh, touting themselves as superior to everyone else 
it's gotten really bad. And, and this pride is at a level that's historic. I mean, maybe not since Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't know when. But it is the pride at such a level where, and they call it woke, right? The, the, where they're superior in their knowledge. And they're looking down their nose at us. And, and what are they defying? What are they betraying? What are they, what are they, what, what, what special knowledge do they have uh, better than? Well, it's God. It's, it's the divine will. It's, it's, it's do, wanting to do thing God, things God's way. And I don't know, but we had someone uh, that was voted into office that was ready to say, we need, or not ready to say, he did, we need one nation under God again. We need to, to elevate the Christian spirits, the Christian morality, let Christianity flourish. I mean, just like Constantine, Emperor Constantine. Um, that happened with the inauguration in 2017. Um, and so what are we seeing? is uh, evil is threatened and evil is convulsing. It's throwing the biggest temper tantrum. I mean, it's shocking, right? Streets on fire, mom and pop stores looted, uh, everything uh, that it's been doing. And then throwing the, everything in the kitchen sink at us at, at every kind of immorality that, that defies God. Uh, but it's, it, it is, it's like, it's like uh, somebody took their finger out of the dike. And, and evil is just gushing in right now. Uh, but again, I think it's because uh, the 100-year reign of Satan is over and forces like an administration that would say, yeah, Christianity, we need you now, okay? I mean, when, when's the last time that's happened? Uh, but uh, I think it, evil is convulsing right now. And so what do we need to do? We need to listen well to what God has in mind for each of us, our mission. You know, what, what, is, what does he want each of us to do? And, and we, so we got to get close. And the other thing is, too, we've got to get, you know, he said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. We got to get grace flowing through God to us. We got to get reconnected to the vine as best we can so that the power of God's grace comes through us. I, I warn people, I say, you know, be careful because you can turn your faith into a religion. You know, we, Doug, you and I have talked about this a lot, but that punch the clock kind of religion, Yeah. you know, where, where you're just, you know, you, you race in and you, and you hope the homily's short and then you race to your car and good, I checked the box, right? Yep. And uh, we got to be careful that doesn't happen to us because when we get really connected, truly connected, what happens the heart pounds. And then we want to do the divine will precisely as best we can because we want to please him because we love him. He's amazing. That's what's needed right now. Father, can you speak to that? Well, I think, you know, the world doesn't know him, right? And that's in the Psalms that we read daily. You know, don't worry when they hate you because they hated me first, <laughs> right? So the thing is, is when you do good, um, there's, a, there's a chapter that my lawyer always brings me to, and uh, uh, if he's out there, you know, a shout out to you, a you know, spiritual slap in the back of the head, uh, Frank. He always says that, you know, the aspect of when you're swimming in a pond full of alligators, you don't start splashing around. And that's what we're in. We're in a pond, pond of alligators. In the aspect where you don't want to make too big of a footprint out there in the world because that's going to cause a lot of damage. But what you want to do is you want to make an impact spiritually in the world. And we can only do that with God's help. God's in control of that. So the aspect moving into what do we do with all the, this evil, we watch it. And we pray for those that are doing it. Do we confront them? Now is not the time anymore. I think that divine intervention is more probable with straightening everything out than we are at this point. Now, evangelization, when someone's attracted to your spirit and you have a peaceful spirit because of your prayer, tell them why you're peaceful when they ask. 
But if no one's asking, it's not time to push, you know, somebody at a gas station and go, have you heard the word of God today? Mm. You know, because most people have access to the word of God. So I think at this time, what we need to do is go to the feet of Jesus to ask for those things. And I believe, truly believe that we can have a bigger impact in prayer than we can in the political system, than we can, you know, pointing out the evil. Because in this society right now, you have so many people pointing the fingers at others. I refuse to do that. Mm -hmm. Even if I have a brother priest or if I have someone that's out of line, I don't, I used to go to that person in private, but pointing the figure at, at, at people, it doesn't do any good because seeing the evil, we can go, yeah, okay, we see the evil. But if we don't know how to respond to the evil, then we're in trouble. And that's kind of where the world's at right now. They don't know how to respond to this evil. And for those that are listening out here, if you're in that, that category, I ask you five things. Go to confession as soon as possible if you're Catholic. If you're not, ask God for his mercy and forgiveness. Two, make a firm amendment that you want to follow God's voice and ask him. Pray the rosary. Go to adoration, right? Adore God. Thank him. Praise him. And the other thing is, you know, the rosary is the quickest way to know Jesus Christ because you, you meditate on his mysteries of his life. Mm -hmm. It's like reading the Bible by meditating on the mysteries. God will bring you through them. And Eucharist as much as you can. Yeah, you know, this is something, fathers, I, I, I think about with everything happening the way it is, and we have all this this effort. And I know that the in the natural realm, it is important. I mean, I, I, I talk a lot about the importance of being prepared on natural level, but that is always secondary to the spiritual level. It's always secondary. The first is always got to be that the heart's got to be in the right place, listening to God, having that relationship with God, that deep encounter with God. Um, but I think it's easy for us, and I know the audience might be thinking, yeah, but the midterms are coming up, and that's going to be what the big change is going to be. You know, it's going to be when we vote the right way and put the right people in office. And, and I understand that there are pieces of that puzzle that are very, very important. The fact that Trump was our president, and because of him, the Supreme Court justices that we have now are there and have done some pretty powerful things lately, obviously, with Roe for, as an example. So those pieces on a natural level are very important, but I know both of you were saying this, and I think this is just such a key thing to emphasize. I know we're getting near the end of this episode, but is this whole thing that the one thing that is necessary is that everything begins at this point with this relationship with God. And no matter what we feel prompted to do, it will never, ever be as fruitful or efficacious for ourselves or for the world if this piece isn't in place first and during whatever it is we're trying to do is that a simple way of summing it up for, for both of you father Leitner, could you kind of expound on that or correct me if i'm off mark on that no i i think you're what you're saying is move you know in the pound of, pond of alligators you simply shift your weight and you walk out very slowly mm -hmm. you don't want to you don't want to race and the thing is is what you're doing is you're saying put this place Put this in its proper place, God first, and then move and let God lead you. And you'll be fine as long as God's leading you. Stay under that protective hat. Stay under that mantle of Our Lady, right? Whatever way you want to look at it, you know, come to repentance and then walk with God to the best of your ability. God will teach you how to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... I... I, I thinking now, uh, and I always use this analogy, but um, uh, what was it June 6, 1944, and them storming the beaches of mm. Normandy and uh, willing to go first and willing to die in order to do it because the enemy was taking away our freedom. Um, we, we need more of that. And I do know that that was an age where churches were jam-packed yeah. with people. And they were doing the one thing necessary. They were coming to our Lord, spending time. Uh, I think as you and I, Doug, talked earlier about um, uh, stopping in a church and just you're passing no. by. You, you've been yeah. doing that lately, uh, haven't you, Doug? You, you see a church. But chapel visits were common uh, back. 
at that time. Yeah. And even you, if it's for five or 10 minutes, right. You, you just, you're driving by it, pull right. in the parking lot, get out right. and walk in and spend a few minutes with God. Right. But what does it do? It, 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 it gives you the understanding, first of all, of what God's will is, and then the desire to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, and what I'm seeing all around me now is people stopping shopping and golfing. Uh, in other words, uh, not stopping, but, but reprioritizing their life and saying, okay, you know, evil has been, has gotten easy access because we've been sitting on our tails and just allowing it to do it. Uh, and, you know, putting on the great brand of being a good Christian, but while, while nothing is done, but we didn't know what to do. Be- and that's why I, I commended my parish for the first thing we did is we threw ourselves at the feet of Jesus. The one thing necessary is to throw yourself at the feet of Jesus, but realize it, that's contemplation. There is such a thing as action. He's going to call you to stop. Mm-hmm. See, I think so. sometimes people are afraid to stop and listen because he's going to ask you to do something. <laughs> you're going, I don't want to listen right now. Yeah. I want to. I want to kind of keep on my treadmill there and kind of tune it out and, and let, you know, don't let my uh, thinking go uh, any lower than the superficial level. And, and uh, because if I, if I let God in, he's going to ask me to do something. And one of the things he's going to ask us to do is to shout, shout as we warn of the evil that's around us. Mm. We have been absolutely remiss in uh, bringing this to the level of seriousness, especially for our loved ones. I mean, we're watching our loved ones get devoured. We're sitting on the sidelines watching the wolf tear them apart limb from limb, spiritually mm-hmm. speaking, and, and, and devouring our loved ones while we do nothing. And we, we, we have to raise this to a level of seriousness. And that's why, too, we had Altman on not too long ago. We were talking about this. You know, the, the need for that masculine strength where, yeah, you're going to know exactly what I think about what you're doing. And I'm not allowing it. And I'm going to warn my sheep about what you're doing. And I'm going to shout from the highest uh, housetop. I think that reading was, was uh, uh, came up right about that time, providence of God. But uh, what you hear in the darkness, shout from the housetops. It's a long past time for us to do that, but not under our own power and not under what we believe is right, but what God believes is right. Again, that's that fear of the Lord. I want to do it precisely your way, God. But in order to do that, I got to plug in, you know, like a phone getting charged. I got to plug in to get your juice, to get your grace, to get your power, the Holy Spirit, so that you are the one speaking through me. And, and, and understand this, uh, the, I, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of Jesus painted as a, a weak, effeminate hippie that did nothing. You, know, you Corazon, you, Bethsaida, you know, woe to you. It would be better to, for the Sodom than for you. There's, see, there was exclamation points when he was saying that in the, in the scripture. It's long past time for us to shout from the housetops. Father, you want to respond to that? I, I don't disagree with you, and especially when you're dealing with your own sheep and teaching them what's going on in the world. My own sheep is the world, but go ahead. <laughs> my, my point is this, you know, in the aspect of great evil, when we see great evil, I think we go to prayer. Like I said, we first do First thing first, yep. One we thing do more in prayer. Yep, we do that we, first, but it's contemplation and action. Contemplation yep. and action. Well, yeah. prayer is action. We don't hide in our prayer. Right, but prayer right. is is action. Right. Mm. And especially the way the especially the way that Luis Pecoretta is talking about it <laughs> in the divine will, prayer is action. Remember, she will affect the world when this teaching comes out to its fullness. And this is prediction by Christ himself. This will come out and she will be one of these doctors of the church. That'd be cool. Because of what she's giving to the church, the gift that's giving to humanity at this time. I do recommend that people look into this. Just tip your toe into it a little bit. I think it's going to grab you, give you a greater understanding of 
truly who God is. And I, I yeah. just think of, I just think of those parents, for instance. That's a perfect example, who found out through you know quarantine what the teachers were actually teaching on the internet, and they became activists, mm. and things happen. Okay, it's prayer and activism, but do, do it under the power of God, under the inspiration of God. But but it's it, we have let evil just run the show because they're activists. And we just are over here in prayer. You know, no, it's prayer is to enlighten us as to what action we're supposed to take. That's why we're given a body, huh? Yep. I just want to encourage everybody, you know, when it comes to making visits to the Blessed Sacrament, back to that one point, it's so easy. Like I was out running errands today, had to go here, had to go to the mechanic, you know, look at my Jeep and this and that. And and it's so easy as you're driving around to say, you know what, I'm just going to make a quick stop here. I'm going to run into this store here. Oh, oh that's right. I got to pick this up here. Let's yeah. just take a minute. I'm going to run in here. Um, oh, you know what? I'm hungry. I'm just going to take a quick moment and run in here and get a right. sandwich. And we can live our lives just finding reasons throughout the day to just take a couple of minutes to run into this place or that place. How great if we also say, you know what? I'm just going to take five or 10 minutes and stop here because most of us or a lot of us, I should say, maybe not most, but a lot of people do come reasonably close to a Catholic parish somewhere throughout your day. If you're out and about, yeah, you're out driving around town. You can probably come within a few blocks or so of a Catholic church, the blessed sacrament or blessed Lord is there present. How easy it is just to say, you know what? I'm just going to take a couple minutes and run in here, not to get a sandwich, not to shop for something, but to have an encounter like Mary did at the foot of Jesus. Right. I just think that everything, you know, you two just went back and forth on, I mean, the whole prayer and action. I mean, I think if St. Um, Jose Maria Escriba said this about deep prayer first and then heroic action is a second, but the, right. the action must follow the prayer. Right. But if we don't start with that, and so, you know, whether we're worried about the midterm elections, which we should be concerned about and focus on doing the right thing in the midterm elections, if they even happen, by the way, but we also need to be, <laughs> I mean, we all know that that's a yeah. possibility that that doesn't happen. We'll see. But Exactly. We'll see. But it is so important for us to take seriously the five to 10 minute, just stop in and, and, and make yes. a visit. And if you can do an hour that's of adoration, fun, that's great. Or I think, Father Hobman, you were saying that exposing the Blessed Sacrament after Mass during your weekday Masses now. Yeah, I started that, I don't know, six months ago or whatever it was. But right. uh, yeah, we, we end Mass and then I expose the Blessed Sacrament just for a half hour. But they're already there, you know, and, yeah. and they can just stay and do adoration. And then I hop in the confessional and, you know, maybe people need to get cleaned up that day uh, spiritually. So, uh, and then uh, I just do simple rep rep uh, <laughs> reposition. Anyway, yeah, right. Uh, I do simple reposition, but uh, sometimes, you know, like first Saturdays we do uh, benediction. So anyways, uh, I started that and I just thought, you know, and what it does is, it, 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 this such great advice you just gave there, Doug. You know, the, and again, our great grandparents and great great grandparents always did chapel visits. They couldn't, they couldn't pass by a church. You know, so what was in their heart? My mom was a daily mass goer. You know, so she, she had to do the will of God. She was couldn't. She looked forward to doing the will of God. She looked forward to time to be with God. I mean, a heart like that. We could, and then you know, then we're ready to to be sent out. Um, but uh, what I was getting at is um, uh, we, we, we started that, and what it did is it, it, is it helped people to be conditioned, hey, not just when you're passing by a church, but how about when you're already at church? Stay a little longer after Mass, and, or you know, come a little early and, and spend some time before the Blessed Sacrament. And you know what? We've been doing this for a while. It's so cool to see. I think I was telling you earlier in the day, Doug, that my parish, it's, it's, uh, we process out the beautiful music. And then the whole parish falls back down to their knees and they stay, most of them uh, will stay at least five minutes, but a, a good number of them stay longer than that. But they just to have that merry time at the feet of Jesus, you know, and we, I just received the Lord. It's awesome. And I just want to adore you. And so, you know, that's, that's also good advice I hand out to, to people is, you know, just come a little earlier or, and or stay a little later mm -hmm. for Mass and, and have that quiet time with the Lord. Yeah. Father uh, Leitner, before we wrap up there, any final comments or, or rousing rally cries you want to give to the audience out there about the importance of this, this whole understanding of just fall at the feet of Christ? 
I still say, I'll just say this real quick. I think we're in this mode all the time where people are looking for a new silver bullet, a new something. There's got to be something different out there, a new, a new policy that the government can come up with to help fix a problem or a new social justice program in the church. You know, we've got all these different efforts of policy. And isn't it that Luisa Picaretta is, you know, Christ working through her is basically saying to the world, no, it, it, there's really nothing new when it comes to this. It, it, really, it really revolves around me. Right. Are, we, are we on the mark with that, Father? Uh, I would say you're directly on the mark. And, you know, to finish that thought, the only person that can save the world is mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's, it's, it's through his glory. And I think a lot of people, as I as I see videos being promoted, a lot of people are being are are having dreams, prophetic dreams, a lot of things coming out, you know, on YouTube, on on Rumble, on different um, apparatuses that people are starting to see the spirit, being Protestant or Catholic or Orthodox or even Jewish, they they are starting, God's starting to break through to them and getting their attention. Yep. Don't let something bad happen before God gets your attention. Yeah. Choose him today. Remember, it's, it's not us who chooses him. He chooses us. Right. And he chose each of us to live at this time. Mm -hmm. yep. See all these things in front of us. There's no coincidence that we're here. Mm -hmm. So what I would say is, Go to the feet of Jesus. It's always great to have you on. And, and uh, you know, uh, once again, we are able to share the wisdom that you receive because um, I, I know that's something that you make as your priority to do that one thing necessary to come to our Lord and to stop and spend time with him. So I'm just encouraging everybody, you know, if you're not doing that right, regularly right now, make that a part of your everyday life in church or out of church. All right, let's end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Thank All you, right. Father. Good to have Thanks, you with us Father. again. God bless you guys.